The only difference is the mental state of mind. And that is one thing that is not talked about much in the archery space, is everybody talks about the physical game, right? The practice, the draw, focusing. But you've got to be mentally engaged that it, how hard you focus on a 90 or 100 yard shot is the same intensity and focus you do at 15 or at 30. Mm -hmm. Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Maybe you needed some advice or a new challenge. This podcast will be for you. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Welcome to the bone Ooh. cave. <laughs> what are we going to call it? It's not really a bone cave anymore. Oh, yeah. It's a bone cave. This is. is. This is still the bone cave, even though there's an office. This is kind of a three-tiered yeah. location now with the pro shop in the front, pro the gallery in the, the gear, the adventure hub. And then we have all the executive offices in the middle and then the production cave back here. But we will call it the Bone Cave 100%. Yeah, for folks that don't know, for the last three weeks, it's been kind of moving day here. So we've been moving all of the Yeah, and it's 2022 if you listen to this three years from now. Yeah. Just so you know, we're moving in 2022. And we're building out the new studio right now. So, so yeah. that is where we are. We've got a couple of mounts in here, more coming. It looks good. So yeah. It's actually kind of weird because the the acoustics, is that what it is? The oh, sound man. Yeah. is just dead with this foam floor and yeah. everything. It's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. So yeah. And the green screen's up. So anyway, if you're ever in Spearfish, South Dakota, you're coming across South Dakota, heading to Wyoming, get off on the Walmart exit, which is 14, take a right, and go to um, the first right, just past uh, the Hampton Inn, and then go to your first right after that, and you will pull into our um, you will pull into our uh, parking lot, I guess. So we're right yep. there. But anyway, we'd love to have you. We'd love to see you. Welcome to the Bone Cave. I'm Brian Maiman, and uh, we are excited to have you here. To my left, because we've kind of changed the configuration of how it's actually still to my left, but it's set a different way. No. But we got Bleep, uh, Brian Leslie. Uh, Brad Dana, good having you here today, as always, Brad. Um, it uh, We do these in the afternoon, in case anybody was ever wondering, because people do ask me that. When do you do those? And I said, we usually do them in the afternoon. And so sometimes I haven't seen Brad all day long, which is a real positive thing. <laughs> so anyway, it was more of an insult than a dig. And, hey, listen, the other cool thing is we have live in-studio two-day Greg Yay. Blessinger. Give me a bump here, brother. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Let me just clear something up here. Is it Glessinger it's or Glessinger? Glessinger. 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 Got it. Yeah, just like it sounds. Glessinger. That's right. Okay. <laughs> you know, the last time you were on, Greg, I remember listening to this while I was editing, and I thought, you know, you said your name some different or sounded it's, different. It's, I said, it's, were we saying it wrong? It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I think <laughs> we got it right. I think what happened was I said it at one time. Glessinger because of oh, okay. uh, it was spelling wise. Yes. But from being from the Midwest, yeah. Glessinger is a name that I'm familiar, familiar with. with. Yeah. 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 And makes uh, sense. Anyway, um, but it's great having you here. Um, I, I, I don't even think there's an introduction after the last podcast that you were on because everybody and our Instagram is blown up because of that 230 uh, inch deer um, that was on there. <laughs> Once in a lifetime, that's for sure. Not really. <laughs> Unless you get one twice. <laughs> yeah, twice in a lifetime. Wait, wait a second. You go I, extra innings. I just see. I just seen squeeze play today. Was it squeeze play? It's squeeze play. Sque I just seen squeeze play today that showed up today on film. Is that right? That, we, yeah, he was. We've been chasing him now uh, two years ago. We we let him go. Last year we had an encounter with him. We let him go, and he was without a doubt in the nineties for sure. And we laid eyeballs on him um, today, actually. Casey sent me a video of him. He was out there uh, doing some field work and sent me you a You've got to tell him the story. Not to interrupt you, you got to tell him the story because uh, Greg flew in this morning. Yeah, I've been, I've been up since 4. <laughs> oh, boy. Central time. Wow. Yeah, so that's 3 our time. 3 your time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell him the story. You're getting on the plane. I'm getting on the plane, and literally I am seconds away from pushing off. All right. And you're, I get a, you're seconds away from airplane mode. Yes, and <laughs> my fo my phone goes off, and it's FaceTime, and it's Casey. He never FaceTimes me unless it's extremely important. 
And I'm like, oh, man, I can't, I can't take this FaceTime. So I denied it, and then I called him real quick, and I said, hey, I got two seconds. What do you need? He goes, I've got squeeze play in front of me. I want to show it to you. <laughs> and I said, film it the best you can and send it to me. I got to go. And so then when I landed, it took – X number of minutes because it was so big. Which felt like hours. It felt like hours. <laughs> oh, and now cool. I have Squeeze Play on my phone, and he is an absolute – if Mega Giant doesn't define him, I, wow. don't have, I don't have a better word. Wow. So that's pretty cool because you uh, – so you saw him. You had an encounter, which means you saw him or you had him on film or something once last year. Is that what that means? Uh, yeah. We, we saw him uh, three times. Three I th- times. I think we have him on film three times. Uh, we had many pictures of him. Um, this is the first time this year that we put eyeballs on him, which was today. Right. Um, and we said when we let him go last year that he was no doubter a 190. And now uh, he's 200 plus. I mean, how big? I don't know. But he. Isn't that interesting? He blew up. These wow. big deer, because they, they live. I mean, it's not like he moved to Cancun. No. I mean, he's in there somewhere. Yeah. And he's avoiding all the trail cameras. He's avoiding avoiding all the eyeballs. Yep. Like the deer. Did you see Brian's crazy whitetail out here that I he did. shot? I did. That deer had never been, been seen, seen by a hunter. By a person. Oh, really? They had two <coughs> trail camera pictures on the same night, one going one way, one coming back the other. And the guy that we went with, Mark Casavan, saw those pictures. He dedicated his whole trip. To that one animal. Not the whole trip. He cut out on the last right. night. I was just going to say. <laughs> Sorry than, about your luck, Mark. Other than the last night, he goes, dude, there's this 145, 150-inch buck. He, he's, he, I call him flat top because he's about 21 wide. He's heavy horned, but his, his uh, twos are probably nine inches, and he's run nine inches all the way out. And I'm like, we were making a show for sportsmen's at the time. I said, I'll shoot that deer. We're, we're, we're promoting an outfitter that sure. we look for. Yeah. I'll go shoot that deer. Sure. Fred goes, he goes, okay. But watch, you lucky sucker, you're going to have um, this crazy caribou horn buck come out. And we're like, yeah, maybe. And uh, so then the, the flat top buck comes out. <laughs> and Brad and I look at it, and it was early. We're like, we should just let him go and see what happens. We were sitting there. Brad's glassing way off about a mile. Brad goes, dude, do you see that buck over there breeding the doe? And I look, and I'm like, holy shit. And he goes, Brian, that thing's got shit going on everywhere on top of its head. And I'm like – Dude, do you think that's that buck? We s- and then he bred the doe. She batted down. He disappeared. I'm sitting there. <laughs> and so it's a big cedar draw that he's yeah, in a mile away. A mile away. And there's a pivot head out there where there's this gut that comes up the pivot head, and there's a cornfield in front of us. And Brad's like, <laughs> he's tapping my leg. And we're in the blind. He's running the camera. He goes, Brian, he's out there. I range him. He's like 400 yards. He's right. He just like like just Houdini, appeared. Just appeared. There was it, there was there was this little depression in this cornfield, and that was so he was he knew. Okay, if I beeline out there, I can take a couple quick bites of corn, and I can go back to business. And right? he was just nervous, bouncing yeah. around, eating as fast as he could, just really nervous. And uh, we, we put the hammer down on him at 415. 414. 414. Yep. That's right. 414. Ooh, that's a poke. And, uh, um, and uh, anyway, we, we uh, killed that one. So And then we went back to camp, and uh, and Mark goes, did you get him? And I go, we did. And he's like, no shit, he's a good buck, isn't he? I go, oh, my God, he's terrific. You want to see the film? And Mark looks at the film, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's losing <laughs> his bastard. That's Mark. <laughs> That is so, Mark. He, he was <laughs> upset. So, anyway, that's the biggest white tail I've ever killed. So and They're the, all big. The, the coolest. But, yeah. uh, anyway, that was the story. So, you had an encounter <laughs> with him. When you say an encounter, did you already say how far away were you from him? Uh, he was 60 once, 80, and then probably another one was 100, probably. So, no archery shots at him. I don't think we would have done it anyway. Because he was so big. He was young, and just by glassing him as much as we did um, – you know that's that's how you get these deer. You got to pass 190 to get to 200, and that's a hard thing to do. Yes, and how stupid was I? Yeah, it's a debatable conversation. I'm stupid all the time when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> Almost as stupid as the guy passing a 400 inch bull in the yeah. morning only shooting now. That happens then. Go what? Yeah. 393. 393. Hey. Pass hey. him on in the morning and then shoots yeah. him. Yeah, I got it. So when he saw he that, might, he might be sitting to my right. <laughs> he, I think he is sitting to your right. It, okay. Oh um, what, so what a bunch of gang uppers. Yeah. Well, when he saw the bull this morning, he goes. 
Dude, you see that bull in the wild, you know, you think, well, you're thinking 400 inches that's all day. That's what I said. That's what he said. And I go, that's what I was thinking, but my buddy passed him in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay. His expectations are pretty high. <laughs> yeah. So yep. in, anyway, um, so today we're going to talk about tip, not necessarily the Iowa thing and hunting Midwestern whitetails, but more of tips and tactics or some of your thinking. We'd love to get your feedback on hunting out West because here's what's going on right now. Um, as we do this, it's August 16th today. So that means antelope was open, that right? antelope opens this weekend in South Dakota. Yesterday. Oh, did it open yesterday? 15th usually? Uh, yeah, it probably is. I was focused on my buddy's elk tag, um, so I didn't even buy a tag this year. I know the butcher <laughs> the butcher shop got phone calls already. That so comes I, I thought it was – I'm with – I thought it was 15. It's okay, 15th, so, yeah. so, okay, so um, hunting season officially has started. We got sheep coming in from the north, yep. but western hunters are getting geared up because yep. archery season starts in 15 days. Right. Um, and uh, 16 days, uh, 15 days from right now. And there's a lot of things that start opening up with a bow. And I know you're getting ready. Yep. So what are some of the top things right now as a dedicated bow hunter that you're looking at doing? What's, what's your regiment look like? Are you shooting every day? Yep. Or, okay, go ahead. Yeah. So I, I, I was, it's, it's Brandon out front, right? Is that his name? Brandon. 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 Yeah. Um, we had a wonderful. Well, we do have a Brandon and we have a Bra Braden. So who's the gentleman Brennan. up front? Brennan. Okay. Not Braden or Brandon. Pretty much you have to have a B name. To I was going to say, you, without a B, you don't <laughs> yeah. even get past the application no, process. hardly here. ever. <laughs> Holy buckets. <laughs> no, Chad, sorry, bud. You're, you're gone. Yeah. Charlie, can't handle no. it, Charlie. Ain't going to work. Um, we were having a conversation today when I was waiting on, on you and, and phone calls in the meeting, and we were talking about, you know, um, arrows and bows and, you know, all these type of things that we're talking about. And I think the, the biggest thing that's overlooked is setting up your arrow weight around the species that you're going to go chase. And um, the reason why I say that is I'll give you a prime example. Like my whitetail setup is going to be plus or minus 410 to 420 grains. Maybe I've gone as low as 385 grains. Um, but I want a lighter arrow that's faster. Why? Because whitetails jump the string quite often. KG little buggers, aren't they? They are, very much so. And when you go out west, elk do not jump the string. They're much slower. Um, not like whitetails. They can. No, uh, no I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying they can't. What I'm saying is not compared to whitetails. Right, no. Yeah. Right? There's a substantial difference. Um, and their kill zone is much larger on an elk than it is a whitetail. And that goes the same thing for a mule deer as well. Mule deer will jump the string, yes, but at a much slower rate than a whitetail. And their kill zone is bigger than a whitetail. So, and the fact that the elk are thicker skinned, they got more mass, they're tougher, more hair. They're a calmer animal. Too. And they're much calmer animal. Whitetails are much more, Ooh. I guess, just jumpy and giddy, I guess, lack of a better term. But... So I've always gone around that north of 500 grain when I go out, out west um, and give up that feet per second to hammer it harder. Um, and then when we were talking this morning was he said, well, I've heard some rumors of going, you know, north of 600, 650 grains. And I said, hey, there's guys that do that. But if you do that, just keep this in mind when you do, which is your arc is going to be much higher. And you're going to lose a lot of feet per second. Yes, you're going to have more kinetic energy downrange. Yes, you are. But if you're ever in the timber or aspens or pines and you have that massive arc, you're not going to realize how big that arc is until it's too late and you hit something. Right, your arrow's sticking in an overhang. That's right. It's going to really do the <laughs> McDonald's arc is what I call it, and it's really going to go high and drop in. So there's that fine line that I've done over the years that you want to have a flat shooting arrow the best you can, but you don't want to lose too much energy and, and lose too much weight. So that, you know, 500 to 510, it seems to be more than adequate for an elk setup. Um, so what what do you uh, draw weight for your bow? What is your draw weight? Mine, your bow? Yeah. My draw weight is 72 pounds. My draw length is 29 and a half. How tall are you? I'm 6'1". And what's your arrow setup? Because you two both have giant elk tag opportunities this year you got big elk hunts yeah so what are you what are you doing different are you doing about the same thing what's your program I, there, Brian? i'm i'm almost the same are, I'm, you are I, i'm almost identically the same you, but you're a, you're a 29 and a half inch draw. no you're a 29 and 
You're I'm, 28 and a half. I'm, I'm 29. 29. Yeah, because you're a half Even inch. Even though I have long, I yeah, shoot a canted bow. you're a half inch longer than my Yep, bow I shoot a canted bow. And I'm a 28 So I half. shoot the same as he does. But he has as big a reach as I do. That's why he was good at baseball. Um, uh, Greg, you, I mean, you have a, what's your, I mean. Wingspan. You're, I don't even know. Yeah, it's long. It's big. Um, so you shoot a can, little canted bow arm too, don't you? I do. Yeah. So, so and my weight right now is 69 pounds. So I'm within three, not so, three pounds of him. So your, your weight is 69 pounds? Mm-hmm. Oh, you went up to see. I've never seen you shoot a 69 pound mm-hmm. bow. I never have. But, uh, but do what you need me to draw for you? No, but I'm subscribing to the same thing. Okay, cool. So I got brass. I got brass inlets and in inserts. inserts to put a little bit more weight in there. Um, yes. So, so, I saw so let's t- l- guys, let's touch yeah. on that for a second because yeah. that's one thing I think needs to be discussed. Is FOC is obviously a hot topic now, and coming from Fuck. A, yeah yeah right. However <laughs> you want to say it um, is a hot topic. And I, and, and I was not <laughs> I was not a subscriber to that. I wasn't for a long time. And my success since I bought into that program has changed. Really? It, yes. It's real, in my opinion. In my opinion. I think for whitetail setups, you want to be between 14 and 15%. Um, and if you want to go with elk, you got to be plus or minus 15 and as high as 19. I think you start going, and this is my opinion, once you start going north of you know, 19, 20%, you have diminishing returns because that arc gets heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, you got more punch in the front end, but there's that, there's that magic line where you want to kind of f- try to find that magic line. And that 15 to 18% um, for out west, mule deer and, and elk, it makes a huge difference. When you impact, you get more penetration. I shot two, two mule deer last year. One was at 47, one was at 52. My grain weight was, uh, arrow weight was 515 or, or 510, I think it was 515. And I was shooting 286 feet per second. And both of those, both arrows went clean through them. Clean pass-throughs. One was at, at 52 and one was at 47. And yeah. these were mature old bucks. They're not young ones. So I don't want to tell Darren this, the gentleman you met before, the guy who builds our guns, He uh, um, because he's a crazy bow hunter too and he thinks that this is too close to be messing. But he's been messing with his too. But I got some new arrows and I've done the same thing. Well, you got some new arrows today? Um, no, no, no. I'm shooting the same arrow. Oh. Um, I've built some new arrows, oh, yeah, yeah. and I'm testing a new broadhead. Well, that's and I went I, to I went to four veins. I've I've fletched some of my own. Oh, I went you? to a four vein, um, um, and so and I'm getting a little bit more weight on. Are you using one of the Bitsenberger um, jigs? Um, yep, I'm I'm north of uh, 400 right now. I'm at about that 405. Uh, oh. yeah, no, of uh, yeah, without a um, broadhead. Without a broadhead, yeah. Sure. Well, your so, arrows. So no, here's no. here's one thing I want you to think about. Which is when you do what when you throw your arrow downrange with a three fletched or four fletched. I'm gonna I'm gonna open a can of worms with everybody and all your listeners. <laughs> but here we go. My personal experience, and I've done a three versus four. I cannot tell a bit of difference for stabilization and. You accuracy. told me that. I can't tell a difference. Now I'm not saying if you put it in a machine there might be, but it's not enough for me to say I want to go four. And and here here's why I'm gonna back it up. Once you add a fourth vein on the back of your arrow. Typically, veins weigh between five and seven uh-huh. grams per vein, depending on which vein we want to go down. Yep. Okay. For every five grains that you add to the back end of your arrow, when I say back end, I'm talking from the veins back to the knock. So right. I'm going to tell the last three and a half to four inches of your arrow. Yep. For every five grains that you add on the back end of that arrow, you have to offset it by 20 on the front end to get your front of center back to neutral. You tracking what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Okay, so, so basically, I have to go to 125 grain. So you just added five or six or seven grams to the back end because you went four fletch. Yep. Now to get you, so if you were at 15 percent FOC and you added that fourth vein, now you're going to be, you know, 12, 11, 13. So now you got to add another yeah. 20 grams on the front just to get you back to 15, right. which then slows the. But arrow essentially, down. I did that by adding the brass inserts. Does that make sense? So I, I'm, I, but I don't know. So well, we'll have to talk about your setup offline because I'd I like to know more details. But I'm just going about when you brought up the four fletch. Right. There are guys out there that swear by four fletch, and I'm not going to get in this argument. I'm just saying personally, well, I, can't. I have I have done the test, and I have not seen the benefits of it. Well, I've done it with fixed. Fixed blades and expandables, I cannot see the difference. And I'm not – well, here's where I wanted to test it, okay, and I made two of them because right now with a fixed blade, 
I'm planing with 69 pounds uh, at 29 and a half. My um, my fixed blade broadhead is absolutely planing after 47, 48 yards. Which which one are you? Uh, so do you know which broadhead you're going to hunt with this year? Um, I don't. I, actually, I, I do. I believe I'm going to use a mechanical on elk you with are. a cut on contact. Yep, I do believe that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'd rather not say any manufacturers, sure. um, uh, because uh, I'm not endorsing anything. I'm not the bow hunting guy and he has affiliations okay i'm and not you, you know bunch, i used you to have be. a bunch of broadheads you're testing is that true or that not? is true yeah yeah and so do you uh do you know what kind of a broadhead you're using on elk as of right now it uh, we did a bunch of testing uh what is today today's tuesday in fact oh. i got up at 4 a.m you're three <laughs> o'clock i'm off on time yesterday casey and i did some testing and um uh wreck it's it's r-e-k that's Wreck. the name of the broadhead. Of yep, it's fairly new. It's oh. only been, it's only been out a couple of years, and that fixed four blade, I believe it's called an FX four. It's a fixed blade head, um, flew, and I, I wish I we we would have filmed this because I know people won't believe this. This is the first time I've ever shot a fixed blade, and it shot in the same spots as a field point. Really? So how big? So so then you know what? We'll just. I've been and we shot it all the way out to oh, 50, it, huh? 50, well, 55 if, if yards. He's, if he's not affiliated with them, I was being sensitive no, to your. No, go ahead. No, oh, go okay. ahead. Go so ahead. I was being sensitive to any go television ahead. affiliation you have yeah. because um, he's got a show starting next season on 10X. Yeah. Right? 10X, Correct. right? Yep. Correct. We should talk about that for a second, too, and promote that. But anyway, um, G5 Striker, um, the great four head. blade, is what I is, – is oh. and I tell you what, it's inside of, like I said, 44, 45 yards – Dude, it is just it's a great head. Yeah, I've shot money. quite a few with the uh, the Montex. Yeah, and I looked at the Montex and it's a three. It's a three blade. Yep, and this but was a four a, blade. It's a bugger, and I like sharp, sharp stuff, and it's hard to sharpen. Yeah, but they they uh they have a carbon now. But this is the one I think I'm going to shoot, which is the hundred. Can I ask you why a four blade over a three blade? Um, because of the extra cutting surface, I was told that if it gets in there, well, and, and from a butcher's perspective, you get anything inside of them, getting them ground up. Even well, more. it's all about hemorrhaging, right? It, yep, exactly. That's how you kill animals. Exactly. Is you got to hemorrhage. This is an evisceration plan. <laughs> no, it's true. You <laughs> have get to. Get them in there. Yeah, it's not trauma to. like a bullet. Yeah. So the other one I have that's shooting really, really good is the, the Mega Meat 100 grain. Oh, from G5 as well. G5. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just yeah. ordered G5 in. Nice. They're um, great heads. Um, so got nothing negative to say about them. So, you, but you kind of, because I've always shot uh, cut on contact broadhead. Yeah, elk, me too. That's my jam. So, but but I'm but looking just old school fix head. I, I you guys ever heard of Chuck Adams? <laughs> yeah, I, I might have heard his Did name you? a couple times. So so I ha I bought his old. You know, he had a Bible. The, oh yeah. You know, and I yeah. and I so I just went. Oh, I'll follow that. Yeah. You know, he used to use those great big old gnarly yeah. pair broadheads with yeah. the little bleeder blade in them. Okay, so, right. so I used that for a long time. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was. Many well, the bleeder years. the bleeder blade came from Chuck uh, from Fred Bear. Just so you know. Yeah. That was well, the first the bear guy. Broadhead. To, yeah, the yeah. bear broadhead. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, it was super, and you could, you could sharpen those. Those you could get really sharp. Yeah, you could yeah. get those. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, with all my research I've done here in the last oh, two or three weeks, it is amazing to me the uh, regenerance of fixed bloodheads coming back in in the marketplace. There is a a big a, a renewed interest in yeah. it, and I don't know why, but. It sure is coming, and it's coming hard. And people are—I are, see some the the numbers are shifting more towards fixed than what they used to be from expandables. Don't know why is what I'm told. I mean, I don't have the numbers. It's what I'm told. And I've always shot Rage, and had great luck with it. It's a great head. It's a great head. Um, the 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 outfitter that I'm going with on my elk hunt, um, he said I cannot shoot an expandable. So this is what caused me to do my <laughs> research. He said fixed only, no ifs, ands, or buts. So he's had problems allegedly or apparently. Alle I, I would say that's a fair assessment. See, because I've never used a – I've uh, last year was the first year I even played with an expandable. There, there, are, there, are some th so there are some people that say, you know what, if it moves, if it shifts, I don't want anything part of it. Yeah. Just that mindset, whether they've had bad experiences or not, they just want something that they know is fixed and solved that if it's hit, it's going to go in. Well, It, it ha I, has zero yeah. fa failure opportunity. Well, when I played, started experimenting with these expandables, I specifically got one that's got a cut-on-contact head. Sure. 
And I figured, worst case scenario, I have a two-blade broadhead here. Sure. But I was like, ooh. So, you know, because I've, I've started playing with longer shooting. You know how that goes. Yeah, of course. And that sure makes it easier. I just think a lot of it, some of these outfitters, they have clients they want to make happy. Yeah. They want the highest success rate for obvious reasons. And they want to eliminate any variable possible. And some of them are very strong opinionated for whatever reason. And a fixed blade is fixed. It yeah. is what it is. Nothing's going to, yeah. There's no improvement. Well, there's tuning, no change. Tuning probably, I would, guess, I would guess it's there's a difficult. fair amount of people that show up on these big hunts like this that you're going on that don't have a bow that's really, really dialed in and tuned. And I think that's a fair and valid point. You know, we when I when I start tuning or shooting arrows and broadheads and all that, I make sure that my bow is tuned to the nines. Right. And it makes your enjoyment much easier, it makes your tuning much or your your shooting your your getting your sight dialed in much quicker and faster. It's less painful, it's well, less it stressful. It expediates everything. everything. Just because once your bow is out of tune and you're throwing a broadhead on it and you're throwing it down it's range, you are chasing a problem <laughs> that I'm not sure sure you're really going to fix. Right. No, because you, you, you're you going down a rabbit hole that has different variables. Exactly. And, and every time you make an adjustment to chase that, there's a counter or, that's right. or equal or opposite adjustment that's right. that you're not aware of that that bow is giving you feedback that it needs better tuning. That's right. And so it's um, without question. So what else are you working on right now? So we got the – I love the arrow thing. So you're obviously shooting. Yep. Um, what else? Shooting long range, which last year, you know, my average shot was 45 to 50. So I'll be out to 90 to 100 um, days before we leave. And I get to the point, you know, a few days before the hunt, I won't go shoot 20 or 25 arrows. I'll go out and I'll shoot one or two. Mm-hmm. And it's and the reason why I only shoot one or two is because last time I checked, you get one arrow flight when you go obviously to set that one go. You got to make but sure this you, isn't a 3D tournament. No, so you get one arrow. So I'll go in, I'll grab the bow, I'll grab one arrow, and I will focus on the draw. I'll focus on everything. If this is the real deal, how am I going to do this? Right. And I'll cut it loose. This is my one shot. Am this I is my make one it shot. Or am I not? That's right. Yeah. And then I'll go pull it, and then I'll go back in the house for 15 or 20 minutes, come back out, and repeat it again. You will not see me pound. I'm doing the same thing right I now. I won't pound 20 or 30 arrows I because shoot. you don't have that opportunity to make the adjustments. So you, you're shooting field points right now, Brian. So I'm shooting. Well, I've been shooting some broadheads too, but yep. I'm shooting field points. So this morning I got up six o'clock. First thing I did, obviously, I have a cup of coffee, but I'm literally in my shorts, and I pull back. I shoot one arrow, just like 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 it's it's six o dark thirty, and we just called in a big bull. It's light enough. Let's smoke it. So I shot one arrow. I went back in. I finished my cup of coffee. Then I came back out. Then I shot three arrows. I was done. Did then you, I came back in an hour, and then I shot two five spots. You, you qualified that you had clothes on when you went out. Have you done it differently or what? <laughs> Limited amounts. <laughs> I just wondered. I mean, why would you qualify? I was because I have a I hot tub in my. I have a hot tub yeah, in my. I put back my clothes here. on and then You're I shot my bow. Painting a hey. picture here, Brad. Well, okay, just, all right. So, Brad. I, I don't even want you're to go creating, to the- You're creating a narrative that wasn't there, no. but, but you've created it. So now we might as well tell all the listeners that I live in this little mecca of um, animals, and it's on Gobbler Road. And so I why, literally why have thought about Gobbler doing Road, a YouTube <laughs> um, out of my uh, hot tub. Jake naked shooting a deer with my bow because that would be perfectly legal, and I think it would go viral. <laughs> oh, it'll go viral. <laughs> That's May not sure. on YouTube, but <laughs> she'll go. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> yes. Okay, Ooh. so 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 I like that. That's actually good because because I, I do a very similar approach, and by no by by no means do I want to sound. You know, I, I'm thinking of my Muscatine, Iowa friends, Tommy Topper, um, but but I, I take a very similar approach to that right now. And and it's it's amazing when you start shooting at 90 to 100 yards, and then you go to 40 or 50. It really is a putt. We say that all the time. It really is. We say that all the time. People ask us, why do you guys do 1,000 yards at your shooting school if it's not a long-range shooting school? Actually, the local paper just did a really nice article yeah. on us. And, uh, um, and, uh, and we always say, because 1,000, when applying the principle at 1,000, all those micro adjustments you have to do, everything that has to be present in your mind to make that shot, now at 400 makes it 
and when you start, you see the 400, and you go, oh, am I ever going to be able to do that? And then when you start hitting 1,000, you come to back to 400, and it looks like a pumpkin standing there yeah. two feet away. Yeah, everybody says that. Oh, my gosh, this is so much easier. It's 500 yards is easy now. <laughs> so, well, but, but the so only thing that's different. use the same application. The, the, the only difference is the mental state of mind, and that is one thing that is not talked about much in the archery space, is everybody talks about the physical game right the practice the draw focusing but you've got to be mentally engaged that it, how hard you focus on a 90 or 100 yard shot is the same intensity and focus you do at 15 or at 30 mhm and most guys go oh, it's 15 or 30 this is a slam dunk well i've been around a long time i've seen a lot of guys shoot miss at 15 and 30 why because they they think it's easy you got to take it just as serious as a 90 or 100, and when you do, you will execute. That's interesting. Well, I, my range right now is set up. It's a, I have a 112-yard range, and do you know why it's not 113? Because if you take one more step back, you, you fall off a cliff. Yeah, uh, yeah I going to say. <laughs> but I'm going to redo that. I'd like to redo. I'd like to redo my range this year. But, but that's, that is, that's great practice. Yeah, listen to you. I, I told these guys years ago, I said, what we should really do is get into long-range bow shooting before Cameron Haynes was doing it. I said, because when I was shooting tournament archery in Wisconsin, we always had 100, 120 yards, and um, we built those suckers to go out there that far then. I said, we could really make an impact. And they goes, oh, my God, do you know how many haters we would have? We should have just done it. The haters would have been worth it. We get haters for wearing the wrong hat anyway. What I guess just well, 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 just, just not well a big enough it. elk. We need a bigger elk. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you brought up the the long, no the long range shooting. Another thing that should be mentioned or talked about is when you go out to 80 and 90 yards, you will see the arc of your arrow. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, yeah. So my point being yeah. is mentally understand the arc of your arrow. So that would I recommend anybody shooting your first shot at 90 or 100? No, I would not. But if, you have, if, if you're forced to take a second shot and you have an arrow in him first and he goes out to 80 or 90 or 100 and you have the capabilities of shooting that to get a another follow-up shot. Absolutely. It, right? That's our obligation as a hunter. Yeah. But my point being is once you shoot 90 and 100, you will realize the arc and the height, which then put that in the middle of your brain – because the max sword the max sword we do the same <laughs> thing with, with, with rifles. the whole timber if you're not in open country if you're in aspen or pines the arrows affected differently at 25 30 feet up here than it is at um, no a doubt point of and you, release and you will realize that hey even if i could shoot it i can't shoot it because my surroundings will not allow my arc right. to execute well some of these guys think okay i'm not on this cliff i can shoot down there 80 yards no you're going to send that uh, arrow out into a whole nother jet stream sometimes too because it's going to go up to go down you know what i'm saying well, well you don't believe that that happens forget to dial your sight back down when you shoot at 112 oh, yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. do miss the target yeah yeah no <laughs> doubt and the other Oops. thing too that we should be talking about is wind drift Right. Yep. So a lot of guys will go. Oh, it's too windy. I'm not. We should go write shoot. a curriculum. Hold on. We should write a curriculum on this, and then do a <laughs> shooting school for archery, a archery hunting academy that's about shooting and shot placement and doing that. This whole podcast, we you just got to put first. it down. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, the uh, the wind drift. As you look at wind drift, a lot of guys will go. It's too windy. I don't want to shoot. No. That's when you want to shoot, and here's the reasons why. Is what, what was it? Uh, my first mule ever shot, which was uh, I'm going to shoot at the hip and say it was four or five years ago, and I was in Wyoming. And due to the fact that I had practice with wind drift on bad days of 15 and 20 mile hour winds, I would go out and shoot, and I would understand that it would move 18, 12 inches based on how right. far I was. Well, I had an opportunity to mule deer at 73 or 74 yards. It was 20, 25 mile an hour winds. And I was like, I can make this shot. And I put that arrow basically six to eight inches in front of his chest cavity. So I was aiming off the deer. Right. I let the arrow go. Story over. It drifted right in. This is whap. Whap. 
So if I didn't do the the go out in the days when it was really windy and understand what the air was going to do in a 15 or 20 mile wind at 50, 60, 70 yards and knew that it was going to wind drift 12 to 18 inches, I would have aimed it on the deer and it would have shot him probably in the butt. That deer is going to live. So shooting and mental preparation is your first and uh, most prominent step in this process. I w- I'm going to revert back to college baseball and a coach, which was we, we all get wound up when we're under pressure, whether you're in these hunting situations and a big animal comes, whether it's your, your biggest buck of your life or whatever it may be, they're all big to, to, to all of us, and it's all important. So keeping that in mind is the mental toughness to keep your mental state of mind is so critical, and the only way I've found to offset that is through practice and the more you practice the more muscle memory you have the more muscle memory you create when your mind is going somewhere else that you can't control your muscle memory should take over if you have put the time in behind the bow it's like being unconsciously competent it is it is and that's how pro athletes get through it because they practice so much so much so much and they're in these high pressure situations but they still execute why because they've done it so much, they're comfortable, and their muscle memory takes over. And so when people say, well, I just can't handle it, well, then my next question to them is, how much have you really put behind the bow? Honestly, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just asking a question. Yeah, you're not being negative. You're being positive. And the positive question is, did you prepare? That's, That's not negative That in any way, shape, or form. Sometimes people go, oh, being positive is just – being positive isn't being happy. I'm positive you just dropped that glass and it broke. I'm positive. I just saw it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's negative that you broke it. The fact of the matter is we're positive or broke. Now what are we going to react to it? I'm positive you didn't apply yourself enough to practice to get the results you're looking for. So with that being said, our expectations never align with our work put in. Right. And so I ask those questions when people come up to me after seminars or whatever the case may be, and they'll say, how do you do it? And I, then I, I'll ask them, where did you go wrong? How did it go wrong? And then I'll say, hey, did you put the time in? And I go, just honestly honestly ask it. Yeah. And, and they'll, nine times out of ten, the answer is no. And I said, well, then your expectations are not fair on yourself. Do you find, because uh, it seems like archery guys shoot their bow a lot. It they shoot like their th- bow a lot, but they also understand the rig, the arrow, uh, speeds, drifts. The, the guys who are really good in, in hitting, you know, Cameron, there, there's a lot of guys out in, in but, the media but here's, space. Here's the reality, and, and I don't want to just make it – because I don't want to proclaim that, that I'm still in this game or unbelievable at it. But here's what most people that shoot a bow, some don't understand, and I watch them. Their anchor point is their rear sight on a rifle. The difference being with your rear sight on a rifle is it's fixed, okay? It would be the scope or that that uh, um, that uh, the rear sight, right? Mm-hmm. That's on that thing. It's fixed. Yours isn't fixed. I shoot a three-point reference on my face. I use a, I have a real small kisser button. It, it you know, I have uh, to my nose. I have a three-point reference. If I go out there and I don't go through my regiment regiment the right way, and have the exact same rear at 20 yards i can get by with it 100 percent. at 30 yards i can't get by with it. Yep. you can still get by you're gonna say at 40 yards it it's good. just you know an inch is amplified out a minute's a minute a minute and so the same thing happens and that rear anchor point i think if you're a serious archer you got to be revisiting reminding revisiting reminding and recreating that behavior if you really want to apply this to the best of its ability like you said i don't disagree a hundred percent you know um the regiment is the more you put into your regiment, the higher confidence you have. The higher confidence you have, I'm going to willing to bet you your results are going to go through the roof. Um, the less time you put in behind the bow, the less confidence you're going to have in the moment of truth, and probably you're going to lessen the results. And the amount of people who I've talked in the last decade, that has been pretty much very common. And I feel sorry for those individuals, but bow hunting is something you really want to you know put your time in to be successful it's not easy i mean you're shooting something that's going 265 to 320 feet per second and um 
you know, more often than not, you know, you're in a tree or you're canted or on the ground. Nothing's nothing's ever perfect. That's you got, right. You got weather. You got a whole. Yeah, there's elements you, that are, aren't not, on you, the range. You're not. You're, your feet are not flat. I mean, there's always something. Yeah, it seems like with archery elk, more often than not, a, a lot of times I shoot off my knees. You know, yes. I'm down. Yes. Yes, that's very true. I don't know why. Is the, that is the, that the noise? The, the one right. I shot in Wyoming, I was on my butt, literally on the butt on the ground, leaning against the hay bale. <laughs> really, leaning against the hay bale. Wow. Leaning against the hay bale. So I want to speak to muscle memory before I ask the next question. One of the things I think, you, and I'm not trying to guy digress or chase a rabbit here, but I, we hear all the time, well, you got to get in sheep shape. You got to get in sheep shape, and and there's this um, embellished state of what sheep shape is based on television and the outdoor shows and people okay i've seen fat guys kill sheep i've seen big guys kill sheep i've seen little guys kill sheep i've seen little guys quit on killing sheep they can't take it they're in better shape they physically look like they're in better shape they can't take it. there's a muscle memory to hunting across the board whether it be archery hunting whitetail hunting sitting on your butt shooting sheep hunting the more you climb that mountain the more you look at those mountains and go okay I need to go up that way, that way, that way, and um, it, I'm just going to take it in sections. I can make it. No problem. The first time you're out there, you go, holy sh! that thing's giant. I'm never getting to the top of it. This it's is going to kill me. It's true. By the time you're on your third or fourth sheep hunt, you're like, no problem. We'll get around that. Does that it's make true. sense? No, it's absolutely Same true. way with shooting at 50. Same way with shooting in the wind. The mental confidence delivers downrange competence in everything we do in the hunting world? 100%. 100%. So Repet Repetition is everything. So so then what do you do? Are you are you working out? Are you getting your legs under you? Yeah, I, I, wor I work out. I, I walk. Um, all those things. You know, um, lost some weight. Um, you know, the more weight you lose, the more you can put in your pack. It makes everything easier. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, make sure that you choose the hunt. Uh, that equals your mindset and your physical abilities because if you don't you're not going to enjoy the hunt and you're taking time out of your day away from your wife child and kitchen I call it the, the, the getting a kitchen pass you want to maximize your fun and whoever's listening to this hunting is fun and if you're not in good shape and you haven't prepared yourself it can be work it can be mentally and physically mm -hmm. um, but, but that's where you just got to be honest with yourself though that's my point. Don't yeah. don't book something that's that's over your skis mm -hmm. that you're going to doubt yourself. That's going to be the temptation. It is. It yeah. is. And if you stay in check and you're you're you know do do the homework on these hunts, you'll enjoy it a lot better, um, and your success will be better. And you know the the other thing we didn't talk about when you go to archery, when you go to any western state with an archery, when you look up at these these percentages, and I'm sure you guys know them off the top of your head more than I do, but my research tells me depending on a state to spending on the species you're looking at a 10 to 15 percent success rate with a bow and arrow so keep that in mind what's colorado six it's like yeah colorado's really bad but i think nationally it's like 11 percent yes between rate. 10 and 15 or something yeah, 11 percent right, right. So, so so you got to keep that in mind when when you're if you're willing to to go out and put in work and all that stuff when you go out western hunting with a bow you're chasing an experience. And, oh, by the way, if I get one, it's it's a bonus. Well, that's actually probably a skewed statistic because if Jason Hamill goes archery elk hunting, I'm expecting him to notch his tag, right? So the same guys are killing elk every year. No, I, no but what <laughs> he's saying. It makes it even harder. Right, but what he's saying is if you're booking, and if I'm understanding you right. Go ahead. Okay, I don't want to put words no, in your mouth. go ahead. But if I'm understanding right, you book an elk hunt to New Mexico, Okay, and if you're going out there because you guarantee you want to shoot an elk and stick an arrow in one, and you're not going for the experience first, but you're going for the harvest first, you might want to look at a different style of hunting. Correct. You that's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Not that Jason Hamill, who's no, killed I'm 72 just, I'm animals. Just, I'm you know just saying that it even – I think it excused the, the success rate oh, differently. Yes. Yeah, because, because of Greg Lessinger, a, a Brad Dana yeah. goes out, or even me. i got to tell you, like this year I, I drew that – uh, I know the you, Northern drew, Hills you drew, uh, drew a good tag, buddy. So, so I've killed uh, epic lots of stuff with my bow. Okay, right. I've never killed a big bull with my bow. But here's what I do have on my side: 
I have three guys that grew up here that have killed dozens and dozens and dozens of bows or elk with their bow and are great at calling. All I gotta do is go along make and the shot. And, and I gotta make the shot. <laughs> well, you know what? I would I would counter that. Be you have other advantages to you because you have shot a lot of stuff. You've shot a ton with your bow, but a lot of elk are hard to kill. They're they're a they're a tough animal. You know, if you go back and listen to Jim Wingen's. Uh, podcast remember we did the, the, the owner of Kennetrek and when he was on a sheep hunt archery sheep hunt you know he talked a lot about success rate and preparation is everything everything well, you, you can change 100%. those you can change those percentages substantially yep. if you do your homework right. and be prepared yep come ready come ready and like my first elk hunt was I'm I'm going to shoot at the hip here I'm going to guess 14 15 years ago and I was prepared to shoot out to 60 and I got to camp, and I, I didn't know anybody. So I'm a, I'm a new guy, first time out west. I'm in New Mexico, and we're out there shooting targets day before the hunt opening. And I look at these two guys and go, how far you can shoot? And he goes, well, 25. That's about as far as I'm really comfortable. And I didn't say it to him, but I felt like you spent all this money and time away from home, and you're telling me you're only comfortable <laughs> out to 25 yards. Well, I can go out to 60, so I'm more than doubled my odds. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So a bull hangs up at fifty-five. It's dead. Hangs up at fifty-five. He needs to come out another hundred percent closer for him to kill it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You can put these percentages in your favor. Yeah. By preparation. Same way with rifle and sheep hunting. I'll never forget the first sheep hunt I went on. The guy goes. Uh, I said, "There's only one mountain I'm not going to go to, and it's the top of that one." Okay. I have a wife and kids. I'm not going to that one. Well, guess where I killed my sheep on the last that day? That one. Mm-hmm. That one. Yeah. <laughs> However, I will tell you this. He goes, "Well, we're going to have to climb to the top." I said, you get me within 600 yards of the top, and I'm going to smoke that son of a sucker. <laughs> and I shot him at, what, 550 yards Long or something? Ways. And I killed that ram. But uh, sometimes I'd ra- – so y- you can make up these, like you said, these issues or obstacles by being better or better equipping yourself to have success. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think if – you know, I imagine a lot of these guys are Western hunters that are listening to this, so – this may not apply to you, but if you're a mid Midwestern whitetail guy and you're going out west, the sooner you start going out west and experiencing spot and stock, it'll increase your whitetail success. But also keep in mind, you're going to have a lot of failures on your first time out because you don't know when to move and when not to move. And what I've learned is when that if your buddy's calling for you or you got a guide, whatever the case may be, he may be 50, 60, 70, 80 yards behind you. You have to have the mental capacity to know when to move and adjust exactly. as, as the mule deer or elk, whatever elk, animal. Elk is a great example. Elk is what, what I – Because you can't stand there like a tree. No, you have, have to be dynamic. You have to be dynamic and create your opportunities yep. Yep. and use the structure, trees – Draws, whatever it may be. There's a time to move, and there's you a gotta time to move. You've got to figure that it's out. But funny, I will tell but. you this. No decision is a worse decision. Yes. I, I couldn't agree. I watch these videos all the time, and I'm like, draw, draw, draw. And I was watching one the other day, and the guide's like, I, I go, draw. And, and Lindley's like, are you talking to the TV again? And I go, I am <laughs> talking to the TV again. They and can't she goes, hear you, honey. That's what, that's what Lindley <laughs> says. Lindley's like, they can't hear Keep you, Brian. Trying. And I'm like, draw. draw. And then the guide goes, draw. And I go, draw. And then the guy goes, draw. And then I go, damn it, draw. And the guy goes, damn it, draw. <laughs> it was true. on a giant moose. And the guy didn't understand reading the animal. One of the things that will teach you how to read animals is coyote hunting. Mm. Predator hunting, because when you call in an animal, there's a behavior. They're they're alert when you're calling an animal. Turkey hunting is a lot like it. You know what I'm so saying? So is an elk, though. Right. Because once you start calling, you have identified your location. Yep. You've, what, given, a, you've given your location away. Here that's it is. That's right. Here it is. So <laughs> so they're coming in, eyeballs wide open, nose is on looking full alert. Looking for something. Looking for something. And now you move at the wrong time or don't move at the right time, you owe yourself. That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, I know on Friday morning where we're going because that bull never got shot last year. Yes. And you, <laughs> and that little sucker. Ready. I'm, I, I'm ready to go. I, I'm ready to go too. I'm, I'm smelling ready. some serious pressure. I'm mm-hmm. hoping. I'm hoping 11 yards broadside uh-huh. with his tongue hanging well, out. And I just we got in on this silly bull. I, I was with Dave four or five times when we got 20 yards away and we could never see him. It was so thick. 
you know, it's crazy, and, and we never did kill that bull, so pressure's going to be on you. Well, he's going to be dumb this year. He's going to walk right. It's like it's like uh, one of those – I think it was Lee I heard him say one time, at about eight, deer almost lose their mind and they revert back. They become between five and seven. They become very uh, um, uh, introverted, and then if they get real old, they almost lose that. Does that make sense? He's going to be so old that he's just going to walk out in front of me and at all his glory at four, 396, oh, I hope um, so. uh, 396 yards. So, 396 or I'm sorry, 396, 396 inches. inches. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's taking big, it big to an extreme. I oh distracted. Sorry. So, yeah, you, did. so you, guys ha- you guys are shooting heavy arrows. You're dialed Well, in. definition of heavy is, is all in the eye beholder. We're going to be shooting about a 510, 520 grain See, arrow. To me, that's a heavy arrow because my, my, I have one arrow, 420 grains. There's a lot of guys I that know, are shooting just, mid like, fives to yeah. sixes to six, right. you know. So it's, 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 it's all person relative. dependent. It's person dependent. I'm right. not going to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So it's whatever makes you comfortable. <laughs> yep. So, so you're shooting your arrow. You're, you're set up. You got your broadheads picked out. You're in shape. Yep. Um, you're just waiting. You're counting the days. You have a month. Yep. And Brian has roughly 15 days. 14 days and seven hours. Dude, I was having, <laughs> I was having Dunkin's Donuts coffees this morning, shooting my bow, and it was cool out, and it was perfect. It was super nice this morning. It was gorgeous it was. this morning, and then the sun came up and got hot fast. Yep. All right, hey, we're gonna take a little break for one second. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Argentina State Stag Hunts. I like saying that. It sounds like yeah. I sound like Bob Barker. The price is right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Argentina. Um, Argentina. So if you're looking for a great opportunity to hunt a state stag in Argentina, this hunt includes two stags up to 11 points. Price will increase on larger stags. So here's the reality. Get there and start hunting. This is a 6,000-acre uh, ranch to hunt large stags, an option to add five. Follow access and water buffalo, MUFON, and wild boar to the hunt for an additional cost. What other outfitter, provi- what the outfitter provides, pick up uh, Santa Rosa or La Pampa Airport um, and then buses you out. All homemade meals, linen service, one guide per hunter, English speaking, field preparation for trophies not included, transfer a flight um, to uh, um, uh, Santa Rosa or La, uh, La Pampa, um, phone calls, gratuities, uh, gun rental and ammunition if you don't take your gun. Taking a gun to Argentina is super easy. Um, they have a really corrupt system. You land, um, they write down Slip your thing. Slip them hundred bucks. They, 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 it's not <laughs> even that, brother. They they write your name down on a little sheet of paper that I don't know what they actually do with it, and then you hand them twenty five bucks and away you go. So um, uh, weather uh, weather can vary from fifty to sixties. You will be hunting the roar. Um, hunters should be prepared with a good layering system. Full weather can uh, um, vary. Uh, like I said, um, it can be uh, um, uh, can get uh, nasty this is a five-day fully guided hunt option to add other species as stated um and you can also add waterfowl and dove and dorado fishing yeah. um so it's pretty cool. cool it is cool Th- this is uh um south and west um it's uh, over towards patagonia um it's it's great for um archery hunting um and rifles should prepare up to two to three hundred yards for rifle shots 60 yards for archery to speak to what we're speaking about today and here you go four thousand eight hundred dollars includes two stags what's the dates Brian? wow what time um, of year? yep so wow. the, the, march isn't it um yep it's a march hunt so um march and april yes this has been on our radar we've yeah. The lodging and the accommodations the are amazing. Yeah, yeah, so here's the hunt number. Here's the hunt number. It is – she put this into my cart to make it easy for me, and now I'm not that <laughs> smart. Um, let me uh, – let me. You need a smart cart. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, okay, put it in the show <laughs> notes. Um, um, now, now you got me. Somebody say something. I'll just get, I'm, the, I'll I'm get gonna, the hunt number. And now I'm looking for the hunt. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. You know, the dove and the Dorado part is pretty I've cool, too. I've actually been to Argentina. I've actually hunted Red Stag, and it is it is an amazing experience. If, if you haven't done it, it's a bucket list thing. You need to do it. Um, did you kill one? Uh, I did. I uh, got him with a gun. We chased him with a bow. We called him Waldo because every day we had to find him. Where's it's RB11984-13. Yeah, and the cool thing is if you're looking at this hunt, remember our software design when you go into our – Adventure catalog. Just go into adventures 
And um, you can put that number in. I'll read it to you one more time. It's RB11984-13. Uh, Wait, is that what you said? That's what I said. That's what you said. Okay, good. You um, know this I just is software inside and out. I, I do know the software inside <laughs> and out, but I want to no. do is explain it to people. So make sure you tap on Hunt Experience, Gear List, and Media, and then inside of each one of those silos, there are more oh assets gosh. for you, digital assets. I'm just looking at the pictures. Click this on is the amazing. lodging. Lodging and uh, accommodations is crazy. Isn't I have that been nice? trying to get here for, what, three years, and I don't know why, but we just keep and you add the water buffalo. No, I want to tell you something. When you go to food and you see that hog on the open spit, that's very Argentinian. It's it's very yes. traditional. I've been there several times too. They dress up and they. I don't. I don't. Yeah. You, yeah. It's, that's right. It's and a, and you they they do the tea pipes. Yep. And the whole thing. It's fascinating to witness. <laughs> yeah. It is. it is. It's fascinating. Mate. The culture is for, interesting. For, for for what was this hunt? Did I tell you? Forty eight hundred. For forty eight hundred bucks, two stacks. The the culture experience is absolutely amazing. So yeah. Brian, I'll do you one better. We'll put a little uh, link to that directly in the show notes. So if you're listening to this on your phone, not if you're driving, but uh, you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the link right there. Just push that button and take you right to it. Perfect. And then um, also, she wanted me to do one more. I don't know how complicated this is, but this is RB11984-14. And this one is the same thing, two stags, but it's $6,500 and uh, includes more stuff. More stuff. Bigger animals. It's the next, I mean, uh, it's over oh, yeah. 11 points. So you, the, these are those are more management things for the 4800 But listen, when you see the pictures for the $4,800 hunt, you're going to go, wow, those are some legitimate animals. My, my shell bill on the dove, the two days of dove hunting is going to be greater than that. <laughs> well, I will tell you this. I know a guy who had a $32,000 shell bill oh there one time. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. He, um, he so gets he, a little out of control. He, he does, but but I, I I try to keep up only when we're in Mexico. In Argentina, I try to limit myself. You, you um, try to play a little um, bit of a good boy. Yeah, because thirty two thousand is a lot of money to come home with a shell bill. Oh but but I've had I've had big ones before. He that's probably for sure. he probably relishes <laughs> the bigger the number, the I better it is. I, I, I don't want to embellish, but I think he's had three thousand bird days. Wow. He he's an amazing shot. I, I've yep. had I've had fifteen hundred and eighteen hundred birthdays. That's amazing. My favorite part is the par can I say parrots? Yeah, we can shoot parrots down there. So you shoot these parrots that come in, and they want you to shoot them because they love the. What do they? They call the you? Parrots. Do they call you dirty names when <laughs> they fly over you? <laughs> Brian, you. <laughs> I don't think they've been taught to speak yet, but uh, they do definitely squawk when you hit them. <laughs> they make a noise so anyway oh. well let's get back that was a, a quite a brought to you by segment there um but anyway you know what we do really we don't have uh we don't take endorsements on this you know we have some great people that support us and uh, um and uh, love what we do you know we're fans of a few companies you know but we really don't um and we don't mind sharing who we're fans with you know what i'm saying and who works with us but we don't take any endorsements so we bring it to you by an outfitter and a great hunt so we appreciate you listening uh, anything else that you're getting ready for one last comment one last tip no chase the experience don't chase the hunt i tell you when you start figuring that out it your your enjoyment level is going to go next level it's and, not hard to enjoy chasing the experience of an archery elk hunt though isn't it oh it's it, oh uh, when i since i've been gone when i came back from my first trip i looked at my wife and i said god willing i'll never miss a september in the mountains again right oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a. It's it's. If you've never archery elk hunting, it's a must. You need to get going on. You it. need to do it. And, and right now, it's just getting harder and harder to plan for tags. It is. It used to be a lot easier to just it easy is. to have a tag. Now you have to have a plan. Well, yeah, to you get your plan, go to rollingbones.com. Rollingbones.com. And then look at one of our three membership levels. We can create and customize a plan for you. Build you a custom dashboard and help you get a plan to start on the road to getting your next adventure. Get out west and go hunting. Didn't mean to sound like an infomercial there, but you guys teed that up really good for me. Well, you're welcome, Brian. Wait, anything else I can do to make this? No, because you, you usually make my life a great big pain in the ass. But today's uh, um, today, to Greg's here. Well, so that's great helping. insight, Greg. That yeah, was, thank you fun. so much, really, um, for stopping I'm in. I'm jealous man. of you that's two guys awesome. with your killer tags. 
I just can't draw a grid <laughs> tag anymore. <laughs> you used to be the one that drew them all. <laughs> did, did he just say that? Yeah, he did. It's like a 13 year old, 8th grade schoolgirl. <laughs> I could draw your tags. I drew, oh, wait, wait. He drew an elk tag and he had one out of like 3,000. I'm just chances. saying, you know. Just saying. He just drew his sheep tag last year. If lightning doesn't strike his ass more often than anybody I've ever met, I've never met lightning striking anybody's ass. So don't even go oh, there. Goodness. Oh, my God. So, so with that being said, we're what, about was that sympathy? No. That was not it, sympathy. It, it masqueraded no. as such. No. You're, you're, uh, you're a. Thank you, Greg. Thank you yeah, very thanks much. Thanks for having yes. me. Appreciate it. It's great been sharing a mic with you, and I hope all you listeners love it. Um, here's just a quick reminder. Be sure to subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else that there's podcasts offered. We're there. Um, we are the only adventure hunting organization to offer application and reminder services in all 50 states. You heard it right, all 50 states. We can help you get a plan to get out west and go hunting, and it doesn't have to be economically limited or fiscal a big fiscal uh, obligation or obstacle. We have a HELP program, and that stands for Hunting Expedition Layaway Plan. We allow you to organize with one of our uh, concierge representatives a plan. You want to go elk hunting? Give us a call. We will get a date. We'll find an outfitter. We'll set a budget. We'll get you a payment plan, and you put a little bit down, we'll hold the spot. We have relationships with these outfitters. We are um, very good at this, and we can get you on your next adventure. Don't count yourself out. Don't say I'm not a Greg Lessinger. I'm not a Brad Dana. Don't say that because you too can come out here and go hunting. That's why we built this company, and that's why we're interested in continuing to grow. Make sure you share our podcast with somebody. Let them know about us. We sure would appreciate it. And check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, um, we are under rollingbones.com or rollingbonesoutdoors. Until next time, be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.